0: And so tonight's message is entitled, Yeshua, our atonement for Yom Kippur. And Yeshua is our eternal high priest. He only brought one sacrifice, and that one sacrifice was sufficient. But let us turn to the book of Leviticus, which in Hebrew is Vayikra, In chapter number 36, excuse me, I was in Ezekiel there. We'll be in Ezekiel later. But Vayikra chapter 23, and beginning here in verse number 26. Adonai said to Moshe, the 10th of the 7th month is Yom Kippur for you. You are to have a holy convocation a gathering, and you are to deny yourself, and you are to bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. You are not to do any kind of work on that day because it is Yom Kippur, to make atonement for you before Adonai your God. Anyone who does not deny himself on that day is to be cut off from his people. You are not to do any kind of work. It is a permanent regulation. Throughout all your generations, no matter where you live, it will be for you a Shabbat of complete rest. You are to deny, to deny yourselves, and you are to rest from your on your Shabbat from evening of the ninth day of the month until the following evening. Praise be unto God. But we have further insight. And we have further insight from Rav Shaul. He was a Shalakim, that is an apostle. So the Apostle Paul, as most people know him by, instead of Shaul or Saul, he wrote to the Messianic believers in Rome, the Messianic community there. So if you like to turn with me to Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. And this is what it says in Romans 5 verse 8 but God demonstrates his own love for us that in Messiah Yeshua died on our behalf while we were yet sinners. Therefore, since we have now come to be considered righteous by means of his bloody sacrificial death, how much more will we be delivered through him from the wrath of God's judgment? So, As Messianic believers, both Jews and Gentiles, one of Messiah, we don't don't no longer have to wonder whether our repentance has been thorough and that our good works are adequate. Because salvation has finally and forever rests not on our own merits, but upon the finished work of Messiah Yeshua. Aren't you glad about that? I certainly am. Salvation is Abba, Father God's gift to the believing heart. Rav Shaul wrote that we are justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which Messiah Yeshua, whom God displayed publicly as appropriation in his blood through faith. And where is that? That's a, a claim from Scripture. So now let us look at Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Romans 3, 25. This is what it says there. Rav Shulul is writing this letter also. God put Yeshua forward as what? The kapara. That's the Hebrew word. And what does that mean in the English? An atonement for sin. Through his faithfulness, Messiah's faithfulness, in respect to the bloody sacrificial death. So this vindicated God's righteousness. Because in his, God's forbearance, he has passed over. And think of Passover for a second here. You know, he's, Yeshua's called our Passover lamb. And so at that from that point on, since Messiah had not died yet, the Jewish people as a foreshadow to take what? were to take a lamb, and they were to sacrifice that lamb. And that lamb was a foreshadow and a temporary covering until, because God the Father knew that one day he was going to send his, send his son to be, the, to be the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so continuing here, for his fair forbearance, he has passed over with neither punishment nor remission the sins of the people had committed in the past. It vindicates his righteousness in this present age by what? By showing that he is righteous himself and is also the one, the one and only who makes people righteous on the ground of what? Yeshua's faithfulness. So in other words, Yeshua died for the ungodly. And you know who that is? That's you and I formally in our state before we accepted God's free gift of eternal life. So going forward here, but more than an act of ultimate altruism, it was an act of propitation. The Greek word used here for propitation is helasterion. That's spelled H-I-L-A-S-T-E-R I O N. And it is the word that the Septuagint, and remember the Septuagint. That's the the Bible that was translated from Hebrew into Greek because for a period of time, a lot of Jewish people were forced to learn the Greek language so that they could communicate with others. So the Septuagint uses the Greek word to translate the Hebrew word, which is kaporeth, and that's different from kapora. It's from the same root of the word. And that word can be translated as mercy seat. So think about the portion on the Ark of the Covenant that was over that that was called the mercy seat. And so the place, so then uh, was upon the mercy seat at that place, which the high priest sprinkled the blood of bulls and goats to secure forgiveness for the people of Israel, which was only a temporary covering other Hebrew word, as I mentioned earlier, is kropara, which means atonement, expediation, propitiation. And so we know that Yeshua, in his death, we received both forgiveness and pardon. And how do we know this? We won't look at these verses right now, but later on we will. They are Romans 3.25. And Hebrews, which in the another translation is Messianic Jews, chapter two, verse seventeen, and also First John or Johann, chapter two, verse two, and First John Yohanan, chapter ten, verse four, verse ten. So did more of a sinful condition than any other high priest, and all the bulls and goats over the sacrifice that were upon the altar. The atonement which was purchased by Yeshua our Messiah through the shedding of his own blood is received by the Messianic believer through trust and trust alone. It's not by works, but it's by trust. Put your faith in the accomplished work that Yeshua our Messiah has done. That results in what? Justification, which is a long word but to simplify that word that means it's a right standing with abba father god in romans 5 1 it declares this so since we have come to be considered righteous by god because of our trust let us continue to have shalom that is peace with god through whom our lord yeshua the messiah why because at one time you and i were considered what as enemies towards God. We were lost. We were without hope. We had a veil over our eyes. But the Spirit of the Living God spoke to us. He revealed Yeshua as the promised Messiah, and we received God's free gift. So going forward, we now have a gracious access into the presence of our Heavenly Father. For the Messianic Believer, Yom Kippur should be a great a great day of what? Great celebration. Why? Because we finally have atonement through our Messiah Yeshua. As we as a day of atonement that we remember that Yeshua died for us. Let us turn quickly here to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Another letter that Rav Shaul had written to the Messianic community there in Corinth. And this is what it says here. Now, brothers, I must remind you of the good news which I proclaim to you, on which you received and on which you have taken your stand, by which you are being saved. Provided you keep holding fast to the message I proclaim to you, For if you don't, your trust will have been in vain. For among the first things I passed on to you is what I also received. Namely this, Messiah died for our sins. In accordance with what the Tanakh, what the Old Testament says. And he was seen by Kepha, who is Peter, then by the twelve. And afterwards, he was seen by more than 500 brothers at one time. The majority of those who are still alive, though some have died. And so with this, we see and we understand that God's word reminds us that the salvation is by grace and grace alone. Received by what? By faith. And that even faith and trust is yet a gift from God. And how do we know this? From the book of Ephesians, it is declared in Ephesians chapter 2. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 12, it declares this. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 This is what the Word of God declares to us: For you have been delivered by what? Grace through your trusting. Even this is not an your own accomplishment, but is simply God's gift. You were not delivered by your own actions. Therefore, no one should boast, for we are God's making, created in union with Messiah Yeshua, for a life of good actions already prepared. By God for us to do. So continuing, we don't have to worry about our dad, our bad deeds may outweigh our good deeds. In God's balance of scales of judgment, our salvation now rests securely upon Yeshua and upon him's, himself. Yeshua is to save us from sin. Next, we're going to go to another book that's very, very close here, and that is the book of Hebrews, or in this translation, it's Messianic Jews. And I'll go ahead and give you the verse here ahead of... of, I'll give some background here first. The, The book of Messianic Jews or Hebrews, more than any other book, in the Brit Hadashah, which is the New Testament, portrays Yeshua as a fulfillment of Yom Kippur. The letter is filled with the allusion to the day and the detailed descriptions of how the first covenant sacrificial system is fulfilled in Yeshua. The writer in the book argues convincingly that Yeshua is better in every respect than the old covenant And it's revelation. He does not say that the old covenant revelation was faulty or inferior. Shaul now writing to the Roman Messianic community in Romans chapter 7 and verse 12. I got kind of ahead of myself there a little bit. So let's go back to Romans chapter 7 and verse 12 here. God's word is so enriching. And here we are. So Torah is holy. That is, the commandment is holy and just and good. So every word that proceeds from the mouth, through God the Father, through His Son and the Ruach, to the prophets, the holy prophets of old, and the apostles of the Brit Hadashah, the new, that's holy, and it's it's true, and it's good for every every effect in our lives. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Sha'ul now expounds upon the worthiness of the ancient revelation. Yet he also declared that this revelation to be incomplete without what? Without the revelation of who Messiah Yeshua is. And where do we know this? From Romans chapter 10 and beginning at verse number four, it declares this to us. For the goal at which Torah aims. See, There's a reason for Torah. And the Lord wants us to focus on Torah so that we'll be focused on what Torah is aimed at. So this is what it says. For the goal at which Torah aims is what? The Messiah. It's not us. It's not our works. But the Torah brings us to focus on what the Torah foreshadows. All the feasts of the Lord. They're all types and shadows that are pointing us to whom, but Messiah, Messiah himself. And the verse goes on to say this, who offers righteousness to everyone who trusts. So who are you trusting today? Your government, your governor, or are you putting your full trust in your beloved Messiah? Who knows what's going to happen next? Praise be unto God, let us continue here. So, the old covenant pointed to the Messiah who would be the perfecter of the faith. Yeshua is a better prophet. How do we know this? Now we're going to jump into the book of Messianic Jews or Hebrews. And we're going to be looking here at verse or chapter number one and verse number two. Praise be unto God. And this is what it says here in verse number two. But now in the which are the latter days or the last days that we're currently living in, he has spoken to us through his son. Now, who has spoken to us? God the Father, through his son, his one and only son, to whom he has given ownership of what? Everything. And through whom he created the universe. So think about that. Everything that the Father has, he's given to the Son. Grace be unto God. See the unity that they walk, one with another? And that's what the Lord desires for us, every born-again believer, to walk in unity of the Spirit, walking by God's Word. So continuing here. So Yeshua is a better prophet. Next, Yeshua is better than the angels. How do we know this? The book of Hebrews, Messianic Jews, chapter 1 and verse 4 declares this. So he has become much better than angels. Who's he here but Yeshua, our Messiah? And the name of God has given him is superior to theirs. So there's the word of God clarifying these things to us. And next, and in higher position than that of Moses or Moshe. And how do we know this? From Messianic Jews, chapter 3. And verse 3, but Yeshua deserves more honor than Moses, than Moshe, just as the builder of the house deserves more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but one who built everything is who? But God. Also, Moshe Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, giving witness to the things God would divulge later. Did you hear that? There were some things that were hidden uh, to Moses. He did not have the full revelation. Just like the prophets of old, you, you look at Daniel, and Daniel, and towards the end, as he was receiving these prophecies, the Spirit of the Living God said to him, the angel said, you are to shut up these things because they are for the latter days. Those that would be living in those latter days, which are you and I today, we would understand these things. We would see receive more revelation and declaration of what the Lord is exactly doing here. And I'm not speaking about modern-day prophets and apostles. I'm speaking about the, the, the prophets of old and the, and the prophets of the Brit Hadashah. That book is sealed. And that's the only way we get true discernment of the Word of God. And if anyone that prophesies something whether the, they claim to be an apostle or prophet today, if it does not line up with God's word, have nothing to do with it. Because they're not speaking and they're not leading you in the path that leads to righteous and holy living. Let's continue here. Praise be unto God. So, verse five also, Moshe, Moses, with faithful in all God's house, as a servant giving witness to the things god would divulge later but the messiah as a son was faithful over god's house and we are that house both jews and gentiles one a messiah of his of his provided we hold firmly to the courage and the confidence inspired by what we hope for and so with this we have clarification so next The atonement is superior through Yeshua because Yeshua himself is uniquely superior. Yeshua is our superior high priest. Yeshua offers a superior sacrifice. Did you notice that? It's a single and one-time sacrifice. Not like the priestly uh, uh, high priests of of years gone by. They had to continually, year to year, offer more and more sacrifices which were a temporary covering. But our eternal high priest, who is Yeshua, he did a one-time singular sacrifice. Continuum. And so this superior sacrifice that Yeshua gave grants superior access now to the presence of God the Father. Understanding these truths will give the Messianic believers, both Jews and Gentiles, a deeper appreciation for Messiah Yeshua, who is what? He is our final atonement. So next we're looking at the superior Kohen gadol, which is a Hebrew word for high priest. The high priesthood of Yeshua can best be appreciated when it is seen in the fulfillment of the old covenant. So the high priestly role in the old covenant and then compared with the high priest of the second temple period, it was was no account that yeshua appeared it was by no accident yeshua appeared in jerusalem at the time that he did for the corruption of the high priesthood at the time was well known the writer of messianic jews the book of hebrews presented god's alternative to that corrupt system exalting yeshua as superior messianic high priest superior in character and also through his ministry So let's focus on that in comparison. The author of Messianic Jews, which is the book of Hebrews, wrote in Messianic Jews, chapter 7, verse 26. And we're going to go and look at this verse very, very quickly here. Praise be unto God. This is the kind of Kohen Gadol, which is high priest, that meets our need, holy, without evil, without stain, set apart from sinners and raised higher. Than the heavens. So, with this, the holiness of Yeshua as demonstrated both in his life and his ministry. And also, he was raised from the dead, is evidence in his divine character. The old covenant high priest, who was weak because of his flesh, was commanded to wear what? To wear white garments to symbolize what? His desire for purity. And holiness. But Yeshua did not need external symbols. Yeshua was perfect because Yeshua is the Son of God. And how do we know this? Messianic Jews or Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 28 declares this For the Torah appoints as koanim Gadolin, their high priests, men who have weakness. But the text which speaks about the swearing of an oath, a text written later than the Torah, appoints a son, S-O-N, capital, who has been brought to the goal forever. This is what Messiah has done. So continuing here, the God of justice, who demanded the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sin, Yeshua himself became a man and shed his own blood to obtain that forgiveness. Yeshia, yeah, who, who is Isaiah, wrote, and he wrote this. In Isaiah forty-three eleven. it says this. I, yes, I am Adonai. Beside me, there is no other deliverer. There's no other redeemer. There's no other person, individual that can bring salvation. It's God and God alone. So, Yeshua Isaiah wrote that there will be no other Savior than God Himself. And that's why Yeshua came and became a man, so He could be our God Savior, fulfilling what Isaiah had written. So going forward, Yeshua is superior in character to the high priest because Yeshua shares the divine nature of God himself. Next, the Levitical priesthood needed to atone for its own sins before presenting a sacrifice for the people. The writer of the book of Hebrews, or Messianic Jews, said, the high priest enters when? Once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself first. And because of it, he was obligated to offer sacrifices for the sins, as for the people, and so also from himself. And how do we know this? From the book of Hebrews, Messianic Jews, 9.7 and 5.3. But this was completely unnecessary for Yeshua, as he was innocent. Without evil, according to the standard of God's Torah, the law. And how do we know this? From the book of Hebrews, Messianic Jews, chapter 4, and verse 14, it declares this Praise be to God, his word is rich and it gives life. For we do not have a Kohen Gadal, that is, high priest, unable to emphasize with our weakness. Since in every respect, he was tempted just as we are. The only difference being that he did not sin. Think about that. The earthly priests from the tribe of Levi, they were continually sinning. They had to continually bring sacrifices for them first and the people. But here we have eternal high priest who has never sinned. So continuing here. Yeshua is superior to the second temple high priest. The customs for preparing the high priest on the day of atonement showed that, the spiritually, that they were spiritually bankrupt and they were ungodly in, in character of their office. And the Mishnah, and there's some good things from the Mishnah. So I'm going to share one good thing with you today. The Mishnah instructed the elders to have a scholar read and expound the scripture to the high priest who was often incapable of doing so himself. Why? Because these men who were Levites, they would bribe their way to the point where Herod would appoint them as priests for one year. And we're going to get more into that as we go forward here. So, these priests were often incapable of doing so themselves. Yeshua, the word of God, is God incarnate and how do we know this from Yohanan the gospel of John chapter 1 verse 14 was the author of the sacred text, and certainly needed no man to teach him the scriptures because he is literally the word of God he knows the father's will so continuing here The rite of purification for the high priest is outlined in the book of Aikra, which is Leviticus chapter 16. We don't have tonight to read that, so we won't. That's for your own enjoyment to study on your own. He was instructed, this high priest, to wear white garments, symbolizing his holy office, and to wash himself with ceremonial washings, and so purify his heart before God. By the time Yeshua... Of Yeshua, these requirements have been greatly expanded. The first century high priest was to wash himself up to five times during the day of of atonement ritual. He was sprinkled also with ashes of the red heifer. And I know we don't want to get sidetracked on that, that Israel now has these red heifers. So we're going to continue here. So let's continue. So he is sprinkled with the ashes of the red heifer twice during the seven days of internment. Just in case he had come in contact with a corpse. Before his time of preparation, the ritual purification of the high priest was a complex because the Jews were now terrified that he would be found unacceptable to God, making his offerings of atonement invalid. Can you imagine that? Think about that. If the high priest is invalid, then then there's no one to bring the sacrifice for the people. But we don't have a high priest like that. Because our high priest is without sin. And not only does he bring the sacrifice, he was the one-time sacrifice. Let's continue. But Yeshua was in no need of ritual purification. It was necessary for him to endure the ritual, nor was it It was unnecessary for him to endure the ritual washings of the high priest or the sprinkling of the ashes from the red heifer. Nothing external could enhance the purity of Yeshua's character. Again, the author of Hebrews, Messianic Jews, demonstrated Yeshua's worthiness to be the great Messianic high priest when he wrote in chapter 2, verse 17 of Messianic Jews, Hebrews. And this is what it says there, 2.17. This is why he had to become like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful Kohen Gadol, which is high priest. In the service of God, making, remember that word we I shared earlier, kapara, atonement, for the sins of the people. Can't be any clearer than that. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, unlike in comparison to his first century counterparts, Yeshua lived among the common people, and he understood their troubles. Yeshua did not remove himself as part of the religious aristocracy. By nature, Yeshua was what? He was merciful. Although Yeshua discovered through bitter experience that the high priest knew no mercy, Yeshua was also faithful and committed to the difficult task Abba, Father God, had called him to do, to be offered up as an atonement for the sins of his own people Israel and for the world. The first century high priests were so self-serving and faithful only to their own interests and the protection of their cat status quo the glorious character yeshua makes him a far superior priest to any before or even after him so now we're going to look at yeshua's ministry yeshua was not only superior in his character but also in his ministry god appointed aaron's descendants to be priests be in the priesthood good forever where is that found in the book of exodus chapter 40 verse 15 in hebrew the word Exodus pronounced Shemot. But no individual lived forever. The Jews of Yeshua's day were then terrified that the high priest would be struck dead by God on the day of atonement. It was also a custom to have a substitute ready to replace the chosen high priest in case that he died. And how do we know this? From the Mishnah, it's recorded in Yoma one Continuing, as Messianic believers, we need never fear that our high our high priestly ministry of Yeshua will ever falter or fail. Because the author of Hebrews Messianic Jews assures us that Yeshua lives to make intercession for his people. So that Yeshua is to save forever those who draw near to God through Yeshua since he always lives to make intercession for them. And how do we know this? The book of Hebrews, Messianic Jews, chapter seven, and verse 25, declares this to us. Praise be unto God. And this is what it says there. But he still lives forever. His position as Kohim does not pass on to someone else. And consequently, he is totally able to deliver those who approach God through him since he is alive forever and thus forever able to intercede on their behalf. And that's what Yeshua has been doing since he went to the presence of the Father. He's been interceding on all believers, both Messianic Jews and Messianic Gentiles, who are one in Messiah. Next, Yeshua was not a priestly descent of Aaron nor was he a Levite. He was a priest in the same manner as Melchizedek, according to the power of an indestructible life. And how do we know this? From Messianic Jews or Hebrews chapter 7, verses 16 through 17. And we're right close here. One who became a Kohen, not by virtue of rule in the Torah, concerning physical descent, but by virtue of the power of an indestructible life. For it is stated, you are a Kohen forever to be compared with Melchizedek. And so we see what God's word says about Yeshua. And he, Yeshua, because he abides forever, holds his priesthood forever. I read that verse earlier. Hebrews Messiah, Jews So the ministry of Yeshua was unlike that of his, con- of his contemporary high priest who served only one year terms. Although the priests before Herod's day were appointed to serve as high priests for their entire lives, they were still subject to what? Sickness, incapacity, and death. The entire Levitical system was marred by human weakness. But the priesthood of Yeshua is different. His ministry is what? It's everlasting and not subject to the frailties of the flesh. Messianic believers can rest assured of Yeshua's continued intercession on our behalf. Next, the ancient Levitical priests received their high priestly appointments through heredity. By the time of the second temple, corrupt high priests convinced and bribed their way to power. But Yeshua was directly chosen, appointed by God. And how do we know this? In chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, give us that evidence. Chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. And this is what it says here. And no one takes this honor upon himself. Rather, he is called by God. Just as... Aaron was. So neither did the Messiah glorify himself to become Kohen Gadol, high priest. Rather, it was the one who said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Where is that a direct quotation from? Psalm 2, number 7. So continuing here. Aaron himself was appointed by God to be the first Levitical high priest. But soon the priestly line was assumed by those who were of less character, and the testimony were far less worthy. Yeshua, on the other hand, was now chosen as high priest before the foundation of the world. And so where is Yeshua today? He's at the right hand of God the Father. Now, Yeshua's contemporaries would serve a year and then retire to become part of the Sadducein aristocracy. But Yeshua remained high priest forever and was exalted where? To the right hand of the Father. And where do we know this? From Messianic Jews chapter 8 and verse 1. It declares this to us. Here's the whole point of what we have been saying. We do have just such a Kohen Gadol, high priest, as has been described. And he does not, and he does sit at the right hand of the Hagudullah in heaven, at the right hand of the Father. And there he serves in the holy place, that is, In the true tent of meeting, the one erected not by human beings, but by Adonai. Remember when the Lord was showing Moses on the mountain, he said you were to build the the Mishkan, the tabernacle, and all the utensils. And where did he he know what, what to do and thereof? Because there's one up in heaven. And that's where Yeshua brought his own precious blood. So continuing here. Yeshua's exalted high priest and king in the perfect position to continue his ministry to his people who now dwell upon this earth, who are being added to every day as we are out making disciples and fulfilling the great commission. Next, the earthly tabernacle was a marvelous sight. The temple of Herod was one of the, one of the wonders of the world, yet both pale in comparison to what to the majesty of the sanctuary which Yeshua now ministers in. In that holy place, there is no need for an ark or mercy seat, for Yeshua's ministry of intercession is now exercised in the presence of Abba, Father God. But the prophet Jeremiah spoke of this. And this is what he said The prophet Jeremiah spoke of a Brit Hadesha, a new covenant, that would replace the old in Jeremiah 31. 31:33 it says this behold the days are coming declares the lord when i will make a brit Hadashah, a new covenant with the house of israel i will put my torah law within them and on their hearts i will write it and i will be their god and they shall be my people then yeshua himself is our high priest for this bridhoteshah the new covenant rendering the office of the high priest of the old covenant no longer necessary. Why? Because he has a better covenant. He's a better high priest. He has a one-time atonement. And that's why later on, we may see that it may happen before the Lord takes us home. We may see the establishment of that third temple. And that biblical priesthood will start over again. But it's just a type and a shadow. No one's going to get saved from it. It's what Yeshua has done. His atonement brings salvation so continuing here in this new covenant God inhabits the hearts of his people who are cleansed by Yeshua's blood and made fit to be vessels of God's spirit his Ruach HaKodesh you are called the temples of the God most high where the spirit of the living God dwells so the new covenant believer is a living temple Bearing the Holy of Holies and the Shekinah, the divine present in his heart. Literally by the Ruach HaKodesh, who is the Holy Spirit. Next, and finally, we'll look at now his superior sacrifice. Yeshua is more than our Messianic High Priest. He is the offering presented for the forgiveness of our sins. His sacrifice is superior in power as well as simplicity. The old covenant sacrifice were limited to the physical realm. They were offered by earthly priests on temporary altar and were able to purify in only the most superficial manner. Animal sacrifices could never fully cleanse the worshiper's conscience. Offering of bulls and goats could not do anything for the individual's heart. This is a has been has been spoken many, many times before. And so with this, the old covenant sacrifice were unable to cleanse a man from within. As Yeshua said in Mark chapter 7 and verse 15, Yeshua declared this, and Yeshua is not a liar. This is Mark number 7 and verse 15. And this is what God's word says here. There is nothing outside a person by going into him that can make him unclean. Rather, it is the things that come out of the person which makes a person unclean. Now, that's what Yeshua declared. So I have an illustration from a British scholar. His name is F.F. Bruce, and he writes this. But their pollution is removed. He's talking about people who who, who are in sin. Their pollution is removed from the conscience by the work of Yeshua, so that men and women emancipated from an inward bondage can worship God in spirit and truth. This is the perfection which the ancient ceremonial rituals were unable to achieve. What purpose then did the Old Testament sacrifices then serve? After they were given to Israel by God himself. In Vayikra, which is the book of Leviticus, chapters 1 through 7. Of course, we're not going to read them tonight. That's for your homework. The animal sacrifices taught the Israelites that the gruesome penalty for sin was death. They demonstrated that God was gracious in allowing substitutes to pay the terrible penalty. But the sacrificial system was only a type, a foreshadowing of God's ultimate sacrifice for sin. Yeshua the Messiah. And I'll give you these verses to look up. Galatians 3.24, Colossians 2.16-17, Yohanan, 1 John two two and 3.11. So the writer of Hebrews, Messianic Jews, argues that the blood of bulls and goats is, Never did take away sins, but only covered it for a time. The old covenant faithful were forgiven in acknowledgement of their faith and in God's foreknowledge of Yeshua's upcoming work. So Sha'ul used the illustration of Abraham, justification by faith, in Romans 4.3. But Abraham who lived before the sacrificial system and all the faithful Israelites thereafter until Golgotha only had their sins passed over and temporarily covered. The sins were never literally taken away. Shaul recognized this when he wrote, Whom God displayed publicly as their propitiation in his blood through faith, This was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. And we read that earlier, Romans chapter 3, verse 25. So Yeshua's sacrifice satisfied the wrath of God and lifted sin's obstruction to man's fellowship with him. For only through Yeshua can believing men and women find reconciliation and peace with God. The earthly high priest was commanded to sprinkle blood on the mercy seat, the altar itself. Even so, the blood of Yeshua was powerful enough to cleanse the heavens of every remembrance of the believer's sin. Hebrews 9.23 So the intricate sacrificial ritual revealed in Leviticus had grown even more complicated by the time of Yeshua. Yet more was accomplished in Yeshua's one act than that of the sacrifice of on Golgotha, than in the, all the Levitical rituals ever observed up to that point and beyond. The author of Messianic Jews, Hebrews wrote, He, Yeshua, entered the holy, holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption how do we know this hebrews chapter 9 verse 12 yeshua did not have to keep offering his sacrifices year after year the complete and one-time atonement of mankind's sins took place in one act on the day in the moment on the hill outside jerusalem and afterwards yeshua took his seat at the right hand of the father his work has been complete pertaining to the salvation of man, but he still intercedes to us, for us. The simplicity of Yeshua's sacrifice is profound. All God ever wanted to, to accomplish is providing atonement for man, was fulfilled in this one eternal action. Once and for all sacrifice For Yeshua is so simple in comparison to the elaborate ritual of the synagogue that Jewish people sometimes consider too good news and an all-easy path path to faith. Yet it is consistent with God's nature to make his will known in an uncomplicated manner. There is only one way to the Father, which is recorded in John Yohanan 14.6. And there is only one sacrifice for sin, and that's Yeshua's atonement. one time. We should stand amazed and marvel at the simplicity of God's truth, but it is simply only for us that the simple act, God that cost God the life of his own son. So now we have access. The temple was a religious political focus of the nation. It was a reminder to the average Israelite of what separated him from the presence of God. How do we know this? Hebrews chapter 9, verses 8 and 9. For he was never allowed to approach the sanctuary of the Lord. The Levitical priests had also their limitations. They were unable to enter the holy place, but they were never allowed to enter the holy of holies. That was the domain of the high priest alone. And he was permitted there to enter within the veil only on one day, and that day being the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. The individual Israelite was at the mercy of the high priest to bring him into the presence of God. But the sacrifice of Yeshua changed all that. In Messianic Jews chapter 9, excuse me, chapter 10, verses 19, through 22, it declares this. Here it is. I was completely in that. I was still in Mark in that one portion here. That's what was throwing me off. Praise be unto God. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19. So brothers, we have this confidence to use the way into the holiest place, opened by the blood of Yeshua. He inaugurated it for us as new and living way through the parachet, which is the veil. By means of his flesh, we also have a great coin over God's household. Therefore, let us approach the holiest place with a sincere heart, and full assurance that comes from trusting, with our hearts sprinkled clean from the bad conscience And our bodies washed with the pure water. Let us continue holding fast to the hope we acknowledge without wavering. For one who made the promise is trustworthy. And who is that? But Messiah himself. And so in the book of Hebrews, the writer, he compares the flesh of Yeshua to the veil that divided the holy place from the holy of holies. We know that from the gospels that when Yeshua died, this veil was torn from the top to the bottom. Mark chapter 15, 38 declares, the parachet, which is the veil, in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. From Matthew chapter 27, 51, it declares, at that moment, the parachet, which is the veil, the curtain, in the temple was ripped in two from top to bottom. And there was an earthquake with rocks splitting apart. Luke also gives us it bears witness in Luke 2345. The sun did not shine and also the head, the veil, the curtain in the temple was split down the middle. So here we have it says you need two or three witnesses in scripture according to God's word. Here you have three apostles three witnesses continuing and in cl- conclusion. The Brit provides free access to the presence of God for all men and women, as long as they enter through the merits of Yeshua's sacrifice. So think about that. What has caused you to be saved? It's through Yeshua's merits. It's not your works. So the Mosaic sacrifice could not purify the conscience. But the sacrifices of Yeshua relieved the worshiper of his guilt and enabled him and her without fear to enter the presence of God. So all of us Messianic believers who trust in the blood of Yeshua experience God's presence more than any high priest ever did. The ancient high priest could enter God's presence on the day and only one day each year on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Then only with fear and trembling Yet those of us who know Yeshua can boldly enter in his heavenly throne room and step into the glorious presence of Abba, Father God. The communion with God is now available to all, both Jews and Gentiles, one of Messiah, who believe at the times because of a once and for all sacrifice of Yeshua at Golgotha. One need not to to be a high priest or Levite or even a member of Abraham's race, our faith relationship to the high priest enables both Jews and Gentiles to approach the throne of God. The writer of Hebrews, Messianic Jews, encourages us in Messianic Jews chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. And We'll look at that very, very quickly. So we're about to close. Praise be to God. It was Matthew, uh, not Jews, chapter 1, and verses 22 and 23. Thank you for your patience. I wrote down the wrong portion of scripture here. Like the high priest, we have been washed, but not by ordinary water. We have been washed with the pure water of the Ruach HaKodesh. The water of the word, our hearts have been sprinkled clean, fulfilling the cleansing, cleansing promise that we have received from the Lord. And so our last scripture here is. Out of Ezekiel, chapter 36. And this is what it says here, 3625. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean, and I will cleanse you from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit inside you, and I will take away the stony heart of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit inside you and cause you to live by my ways and respect my rulings and obey them. So what a blessed opportunity for us as Messianic believers to have free access to the presence of God himself. Should that not give us great joy and know that we have an eternal high priest who shall never fail, who has washed us with his own precious blood and he intercedes daily on our behalf before the Father. Baruch Hashem Adonai, blessed be the name of the God Most High.